Hello and welcome back to Subclass Act, a solo role-playing actual play podcast. I'm your host, James Schrall. Hey y'all and welcome back to another episode. Uh, it's been a long time. It's been a little over a month since the last episode, uh, and even a little bit more than that uh, since the last one that related to this arc. Um, so sorry for taking a little bit of time. Uh, there's been a lot of life stuff going on, um, as you can hear by my chair creaking. Um, there's a lot of life stuff that's been going on. I'm sure there has been for everybody else as well with uh, some of the holidays coming up. And trying to get some preparations done, fixed, uh, expecting my uh, newest little party member who should be arriving soon. So, um, yeah, mainly that's been going on. Uh, so we're going to get back into it today. Uh, last time we played Dungeon World, this time I'm going to show off a, a game that's new to me. I think it's fairly new anyways, but it's a, it's a game that's new to me. Uh, it's a free game, and it's awesome. We'll get to that in a second. And I'm going to show... Um, how to use, if you don't have an oracle or anything downloaded, you just want to get started with lightweight rules, uh, and you want to go with no oracle, or whatever oracle that seems right, I'm going to show you maybe how to do that. It's different than other things um, that we've done before. This is the super, super, super lo-fi approach, uh, and it may appeal to some of you, so um, I think it'll be fun. So first, um, uh, nor I've been giving um, systems usually two episodes lately, uh, but to, to just try to give it a fair shake, and I love Dungeon World that we played last time. I have a, a lunch game with friends that I think I've maybe mentioned before, um, and yeah, it's excellent, especially with Perilous Wilds, which is essentially indispensable for me now uh, for Dungeon World. It adds a lot of really cool stuff. It's all optional and modular, but you can add it and adds a lot of really cool detail and options and, and different moves that add some good flavor. So we're moving on to a different system this time, not because Dungeon World's not great, and not to put any slight against Dungeon World, especially for solo, because I think the, the narrative aspect of Dungeon World really lends itself to solo play. But in this case, I found something that I had been meaning to check out for a while, I finally got to check it out today, and it's so cool that I just had to drop it in. So I am learning it as I'm playing it, so it's, you know, I read through it or skimmed through it, really, I haven't even read through the whole thing yet. Skimmed through it, uh, it's excellent, it's very cool, it's called DURF, D-U-R-F. And the way it's spelled, it looks like an acronym, but it is not an acronym. Uh, in fact, I looked it up and it turns out, uh, based on Reddit here, that the author says that... Where is it here? Uh, DURF is the Dutch... and I, I'm probably mispronouncing this to be honest, but DURF is the Dutch word for valor, bravery, and courage. So, it's the creator's native language, so that is what DERF is. So yeah, on itch.io you can check out DERF. There was a whole DERF jam that happened on itch.io recently, where people made some really cool stuff, and it just looks very cool. It's very lo-fi, it has very much uh, an OSR adjacent kind of a feel. It has a lot of influence that's apparent from Maze Rats, Nave, Troika, some of these kind of OSR in the way that they don't necessarily emulate the exact rules of old school games, but seem to have the spirit and the flavor, but they're also rules light and pretty lo-fi, which works for me. I, I love serious fantasy as much as the next person, but Adventure Time is essentially my exact jam, and that's kind of the vibe that I get from this, is like Adventure Time or something like that. Uh, 
I've been doing a little bit more serious is not quite the right word, but I've been doing more or less whimsical, I guess, fantasy for this season. I think this will still fit anyways. It's super easy to make this whatever you want, which is one of the things I really like. We'll get into the mechanics as they come up. I really just want to get straight into the action uh, because last time, as they were traveling through, um, Thorn and Co, well, Thorn and Ferdinand, the scholar, were traveling through the desert. Uh, Ferdinand told Thorin that the the desert, the way that the desert is and people get lost and it shifts all the time is related to the seeming uh, night sky. So we've learned that the reason for the hundred years night is that it's actually all an elaborate piece of, or series really, of illusion magic. Uh, that they need to cross over the river that divides the plains into the spirit world, uh, potentially abandoning the city to its fate, as the Pilgrims of the Single Mind did threaten that if they don't take the Desert Rose to someone in the city, or to the city, uh, and sorry, to the city and use it against the city, that they would destroy it otherwise. Who knows if they able to make good on that threat, or th that they would hurt, rather, um, that they would hurt uh, Thorin's people. It's, it's kind of a vague threat, but they sounded like they would hurt Thorin's people and they would burn the city to the ground. They just want some sort of specific reason to use the Desert Rose on the city. Either way, they're threatening to destroy it. But either way, Ferdinand and Thorin are going to have to cross into the spirit world, he says, to find Tobin, the mythical hunter-gatherer. He's kind of a, a, a demigod kind of figure mythical kind of figure, and he's supposed to chase off the knight, presumably, uh, in order to, to or chase off the illusion. We're not 100% sure yet. At the very end, though, uh, while they were making camp, they were confronted by these sort of necrotic hawks, or these necrotic birds. They're not carrion birds like a raven or a crow. They themselves are undead, and they seem to be messengers, harbingers of doom, for some other sort of a being. Ferdinand says that he knows who they belong to and that they need to get moving and there was some crazy technicolor lightning that was taking over. So I think really we need to we need to get into that and figure out what's going on. Uh, they're going to have to probably make a break for it. So now I have statted up myself for Durf here. I have not statted up Ferdinand, even though it would really only take maybe two seconds to do so. I'm gonna play kind of fast and loose with this. The One of the other reasons I wanna show is that you don't have to take a lot of time to invest in sitting down solo. You certainly can, and it certainly can take a lot of time, but you can just pick up a character, just pick up your imagination and run. Don't worry too much about the exact uh, the exact little details or, if, or anything like that. Okay, so we're gonna get into some encounter territory, I think. So they're trying to run, they're gonna try to cross over the spirit plane. I think that these Harbingers of Doom are showing up uh, and they're starting to flee. Ferdinand wakes up, to uh, not Tobin, Thorin, and says, we've gotta get out of here, quickly. Thorin responds just by grabbing his stuff quickly, grabbing his great sword and they are just going to make a break for it. They're running through the desert. At this point, I think there's like a faint... Um, if it was daytime, there'd be a faint red glow, but I think there's just a lot of ambient sand blowing around as they're running through the desert in this night here. I think that there is some sort of weird glow. As they're running, they're just running. Wind is starting to pick the sand up around them. It's starting to get 
not foggier and foggier, but the sort of the sand equivalent. They're sprinting and running and running. There's that green light that emerges again, and I think a bunch, basically a circular lightning hole rotates in the, in the air above them. Not very far, but just at a little bit above eye level, maybe 50 feet ahead of them. It spins and opens up, and all of a sudden the color in the middle changes, outbursts scores and scores of these uh, smaller versions of these necrotic hawks. There's just birds everywhere. And out steps a figure wearing long sort of feathery robes that go in and out. Not kind, not like a like a death or the scream kind of robe or anything like that, but just um, almost more like, you know, think desert barbarian kind of fantasy robes. It's not homogenous black feathers. They're like dark black feathers and brown feathers and off-white feathers. They're kind of just all over in a jumble. And this figure with a sort of a tall hat with a buckle on it as well steps out hunched over, looking like they're maybe about to grasp for a sword or a staff or something. And I think that that's kind of where this encounter is going to start. I think let's just jump into the combat here. I really want to test out the combat system. I do want to say I leveled up Thorin to level the equivalent of level 2 in Durf. That may not be enough. This is a very dangerous game. Uh, characters could all could easily die it's a it's a deadly system like some of the stuff from season one so for all i know thorn and ferdinand could die here and that's fine i've got more plans again I, I say this several times but i think death has to be on the table especially for games where that's a thing and but for solo it doesn't have to mean permadeath roll up a new character it can mean you do something else so just lean into it. it it's more interesting i think it's almost always interesting i think to roll with that let it be deadly. Let it, you have that fear and and build on it. You know, it, you can't. It's not just oh, you're dead. That's it. Move on. Necessarily, it could be in certain situations, but it could. You can always make it more interesting. I think. Okay, it's and, and it's always going to be more dramatic if you just super lean into it. So we've got this encounter coming in front of us. Uh, I'm going to make up this NP or this uh, enemy, this NPC on the spot. You can look for examples in pretty much any OSR manual. You can kind of make it up. There's some, a couple examples in here. And so reskinning stuff is super, super, super easy because you only need a handful of stats. It's awesome. We're going to get into that. So combat, it goes in rounds. Similar to other OSR games, you have three main turns for er, uh, terms rather for time. A round, which is 10 seconds. A turn, which is 10 minutes. So I think it's like OD&D. And a watch. Really, in combat, we're going to be concerned with with rounds. So, to that end, we are going to have combat start here. So, we're going to each have a round, uh, or we're, sorry, we're each going to go in turn for the round. And the way that that works is each uh, side rolls a d6, and the higher goes. So, like a lot of other OSR games, which I really like side initiative personally. I know it's not for everybody, but I like it. All right, so I'm gonna be on the green die. They'll be on the blue. I got a five, they got a six, so they're gonna go first. So we're gonna look, and there's a small bestiary kind of included here again of example creatures. There's a handful of them. I think we're gonna borrow whatever's gonna seem like the closest. It's obviously not as crazy as a dragon. So just to go into it real quick, there are only a handful of stats for NPCs. You've got skill which is just their three stats together because you have three stats in this game, strength, dex, and will, kind of like into the odd. So 
they just have one stat, which is skill. Then there's hit dice, and which have a different effect than HP here. It's a little bit more randomized than that, which I think is really cool. We'll get there. Uh, and then they also have a morale score, which like other uh, OSR games, you've got a morale. Whenever a uh, situation comes up where you need to roll morale, you roll 2d6. Uh, you can kind of see their disposition. We know the, the reaction here. And then, um, so likewise, sorry, sorry, that's reaction. Morale is the chances of them giving up. So some creatures are never, ever going to give up, so they don't even have a score. Other creatures, like a dragon, for instance, has a uh, morale score of 10, meaning you'd roll 2d6, and it'd have to be a 10 or above in order for them to decide to give up. Let's do it. So, yeah, they've got example attacks and things like that. There's a uh, fixed damage in general in the system, which is so it's going to be super quick once we get going. I just wanted to explain those few things. So, yeah, I think we're going to... Um, we're actually just going to make it up here. We're going to assign an, uh, an amount for skill, hit dice, and morale. I think we're going to say the morale is 10. Because this is a uh, scary, scary creature. I think we're going to say that the hit dice are 4. Four hit dice. To put it in perspective, again, my character has two. We'll say Ferdinand has one. And then we'll take some damage, which we will uh, we'll borrow from the shadow. So three damage. And we will maybe come up with um, some sort of a spell or uh, you know something later as it comes up. Okay. Uh, there are some included example spells, but it'd be super easy to just make it make it whatever, whatever you want. Okay, I think in this case we're gonna have the person here is gonna is gonna move up, uh, get ready to attack, and is going to. I think probably. Hmm. Probably cast some sort of a spell actually. And I think that the 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 spell is gonna be that uh, each character has to make a dexterity saving throw, which is just. Uh, a regular save, just a regular ability check. We'll get into that in a second. Or they are going to take two damage from a bunch of these crows. This is almost like Swain from League of Legends or something, I guess. Uh, I wasn't thinking about that, but I guess that's what it is. Sort of. So, yeah, going to summon the spell to command these carrion, hawk, crow, whatever, eagle things, death eagles. Oh, that's cool. Or I should have said death eagle from the beginning. Uh, yeah, so command to control them to attack. So, Thorn and Ferdinand are each going to have to make a saving throw. The way saving throws work is actually, you just add whichever stat is relevant for a normal ability check, and you roll a d20, and it has to be 15 or over to succeed. All right. Uh, so, I've got... Dexterity is my absolute worst, which is a bummer. So, I need to roll... I've got a 1 for my dexterity score, a 4 strength, and a 3 will. So, for me, this is awful. I need to roll a 14 or better. Ooh, I rolled a two. It's not going to do it. So we're going to get... So that means I'm going to take two wounds, and I'm going to get into what that means in the second year. And Ferdinand is um, going to just have a skill. We're going to give Ferdinand just a skill of two. All right. Because I'm going to keep him more like an NPC. So he needs to roll a 13 or higher. He rolled a 12. So close. And yet, no good. So he's going to take... 
Uh, we're going to give him a hit die. One hit die. So he takes two wounds. Okay, now here's how this works. This is something I think that's really cool. It's really deadly, but I don't know. I think it's cool. We'll see what you guys think. Absolutely feel free to call in and let me know how you think. So here's how this works. In combat, it were really any time a, a character takes damage, takes wounds, they roll their hit dice. And then each hit die is, is just gonna be a D6. So I've got two of them, so I'd roll two D6. For instance, Ferdinand will roll one D6. If the result of all of them together, I suppose, is less than or equal to the wounds they've accumulated, the creature dies. That's it. There's no hit points. It's, that's that's what it is. You could just die. I mean, it could just be that fatal shot. You know, there's not gonna be any necessarily, you can even have a ton of hit dice and be super unlucky. You know, the more hit dice you get at some point, little wounds like that are just, it's not gonna be possible, right? So taking two wounds like that, if I was level three, not possible. You can't roll 3d6 lower than two. So you would you would be safe for that one hit, right? So pretty deadly. Okay, now I've only taken two wounds and I have two hit dice, which means that I would have to roll snake eyes. But if I roll snake eyes, then that's it for Thorin. All right, here we go, 2d6. Okay, yep, rolled an 11, so we're plenty good. So Thorin, uh, it just bitten all up, uh, starting to look pretty rough. Of course, he's got the barbarian kind of thing, so it only adds to his street cred as a barbarian to have the sort of the tattered clothes and, and stuff going on. Uh, we've really got to figure out for Ferdinand. Ferdinand's chances are much worse. He only has one hit die, and he's taken two wounds. So he's got really a 33% chance of, of beefing it here. Oh, rolled a two. Yeah, Ferdinand is just completely consumed, consumed by this, overwhelmed by the swarm. Uh, you know, Thorin does this, like, no! Kind of, like, holds his great sword up in the air and gets angry about it. Uh, so, yeah, I think one thing he's going to do is he is going to grab quickly in one hand. He's, uh, he's going to scoop up. Well, no, he's probably not even going to bother with that. He's, he's probably going to scoop up the spellbook later. But first, it's all about vengeance. He pulls out the bow, and he's going to try to take a shot at uh, at this creature here. So this is going to be cool, so check this out. Oh, and also, uh, there's armor, and we should probably talk about armor as well. So I actually goofed a little bit. So basically, the way armor works is armor is damage reduction, but you have a maximum. So it kind of drains your armor. You have to repair it. I don't wear armor as Thorn, I haven't had armor, but what I did was to kind of emulate the barbarian thing, I gave myself one natural armor, like light armor is three, for for example. So armor is a really, really big deal in this game. So having one isn't as good as it sounds. So it would reduce to zero, and then it would reduce my wounds to one, which meant it wouldn't be possible for me to die. But that's okay, because I didn't anyways. Ferdinand definitely doesn't wear armor, uh, so that is unlucky for him. Okay, the even though he's kind of wearing the cool feathery stuff, I don't think that's going to count as armor or even light armor. So we're going to get into some ranged combat here. I really like the way that the combat rules work in this. It kind of reminds me of the one shot I did with Warlock. I really dig the Warlock combat. I love the opposed roles and the way that ranged combat works. This is almost like that. Close combat as opposed strength. Just so cool. I, I want every game to be like that, to be honest. Uh, and then there's ranged combat, which is opposed but the two creatures use dex, but the thing is if the defender 
wins, they don't deal damage, right? So close combat is riskier for sure, which is cool. Okay, so we've got the opposed dex rolls. Dex is my worst, but I'm, I gotta do it, I think. I gotta do the thing. So I've got uh, dex of one. The creature here has a de uh, skill, uh, what did we say, of 10? That's crazy. Did I really do that to myself? There's no way I said skill 10. I may have to amend that. Let me see what the... Because that's so much higher than what I've got. Yeah, and a dragon has like a skill 12. That's crazy. Yeah, we're going to adjust this a little bit. This is going to make it skill 5. Because that is absurd. Like the beholder type thing here. It's not really a beholder, but the thing that's like a beholder in here is 6. There's no way this little character is going to be that, that crazy. And in fact, actually, there's a thing in here that looks similar enough, actually, to what we've got. Uh, except for it has more armor. So yeah, that's close enough. So skill five. Okay. So here's here's what we do. Here's here's how we go. Oh, also, I forgot. There's one more thing I should mention. Uh, sorry, y'all. I am learning this at the same time, but it's it's a really easy system to read and stuff. So you've got so of course you've got stuff for critical hits and critical failures, which is cool which we'll get into, but you also have buffs and breaks. So, so some situations can give PCs buffs and or breaks on their action roll. You take the net effect, but basically you roll that many additional D6s in addition to the D20. With uh, buffs, you take the highest one and you add it to the result. With breaks, you subtract it from the result. Okay, so we're gonna play a little bit narratively here, but I think it's fair that uh, sort of with the barbarian kind of a thing that we're doing with Thorin, that this kind of sort of rage kind of thing that he's doing, since an ally has has died, is going to give him a buff. So um, we're just going to give him just the one. It's not going to be all the time. It's just going to be in this scenario. And I think that's how that's going to work. So I'm going to roll a d20 plus the d6 for that buff. And then the uh, enemy will roll one, uh, their d20 plus the skill. All right. The enemy got a total of 10. And I got a total also of, actually 10, but then my dex of 11, so just enough. So that means I do deal my damage. Bows deal three damage, and the uh, enemy has hit four hit dice. So there's no way that the, the enemy is gonna die from that one roll, but it's, it's something. Uh, it's definitely something. Okay, now, I think we're, we're gonna have to roll again for initiative here, that's a new round. So I'm gonna be on the green die, I'll be on the blue. Okay, enemy goes first again. This kind of summoner mage kind of thing, I think is gonna st stroll up now and pulls out a, a large staff with a, a wicked glowing green looking crystal at the end, uh, ornamented with feathers part of the way down the staff. And is gonna try to swing it down uh, in, in melee range now. And we're gonna make opposed strength checks here. So, enemy has a skill of five. I have a strength of four. Ooh, we both rolled 19s. And the, yeah, they have a skill of five. So that means they got a total of 24. And I got a total of 23. Close, but no cigar. So that means it uh, they're going to deal their damage. And my armor is already down. So it's not going to provide me any help. So it's three damage to me, that's what I wrote down for the NPC, three damage, so I have a total of four wounds now. Which means I need to roll to see if Thorin dies. All right, 
wounds of four. All right, so 2d6. The result has got to be over four. Can't be equal to or less than four. It's got to be over four. All right. Oh, beefed it with a total of three. So Thorin dies. Here's what happens. He gets wham, whacked by this, this staff and everything goes black and he sees nothing. All right, I think here's what happens. Ferdinand and Thorin all of a sudden wake up like, ugh, groggy and their head is hurt. Well, well I, at least Thorin. I don't know. I don't actually don't know the state of Thur Ferdinand yet. I don't want to say that what's happening for Ferdinand, but Thorin's waking up and his head is thrumming and pounding. And he opens his eyes and realizes as he's starting to come back to consciousness that he's hanging upside down. And his feet are tied and he's, he's kind of tied and slightly dangling from uh, suspended slightly away from a wall. There is a, again kind of a green glow that comes from this room. And he's looking around and he's looking to see if he sees Ferdinand. Um, I think we're going to say 50% chance that he sees Ferdinand. I'm going to roll a d6. So if it's four or over, he sees Ferdinand. Nope. Uh, there's no sign of Ferdinand from here. I think he's looking around and he sees that he is in some sort of a stone structure. It's dark, save for all this green glow. And it, I think it reeks in here and he looks and he sees that the floor is, is bloodstained in a lot of different places and to a lot of differing degrees, uh, like different ages. Some has started to, to wear off and some of it seems newer than, than the rest. It's all over a different amount. This is, this is like a killing room floor, essentially. And there's a, I think the green glow is coming from some sort of a cauldron, which he can see sort of in front of him. And there is the figure here with his back uh, to Thorin. And that he's kind of stirring something up and you can hear the... <laughs> sort of this insane non-rhythmic laughing as he kind of laughs and, and goes back into it. I think Thorne is looking around uh, he's obviously not armed at the moment. Mm, let's see. He's still clothed, obviously. Um, but I'm trying to think. I, I don't think he could have hidden any weapons, though. Mm, I didn't have any daggers or anything, I, I guess, to hide. Mm, all right. I think he's gonna have to look around to see if there's something that he can use. Mm, yeah, let's uh, let's do that. We'll say there's 50% chance. Roll a d6. One. Yeah, no, he doesn't seem like there's anything he can use. So he's still got to he's got to bide his time, or he's gonna have to try to untie the ropes. I think is really what he's gonna try to do. He's gonna try to untie the ropes. Um, I really think he's just gonna try to muscle him out. So that'd be strength. It might be risky though, because if he fails. He might be noticed, or he just might not be able to do it yet. So we'll find that out. First, he's going to try to do it. D20 plus strength for a total of 
15. Okay, so that is successful. So he's able to untie the knots uh, and or just kind of, he's trying to untie them and I think he's just kind of able to uh, get him just enough and then he's able to rip his feet out. I think that there's a lot of, uh, like there's there's some wounds. It definitely is sore as it, and it leaves a mark around his feet. And he uh, slides to the ground uh, now free and trying to look to see what he can do while this this person has his back turned. Mm. I think he's going to try to look around and find a, a spare room kind of off to the side if there's a chamber he can try to sneak into. Hmm. Yeah, he's going to try to sneak off to the right. There's like a dark room over there, I think. And it's mostly in shadow and see if he can sneak over there. I do think he's going to have to sneak, and I think we're going to do this as an opposed roll. Uh, so, this is probably dexterity, which again, not great for Thorin. Okay, Thorin, yeah, only gets a total of 9 and a total of 16 for this this person. I think he, he turns around, or he doesn't even turn around, I think he just plays it cool and he just says, Yes, I know you've untied yourself. Well done, is all I can say. Of course, I'm sure that you can imagine that if I was deeply concerned about it, I could have fastened you in, in many different ways, perhaps with metal or magic. No, I. It, you are not primarily the one I came for, although I'm sure that I will find a use for you. Thorin asks him, Who are you? Why have you brought us here? Oh, I see. Yes, you do not yet understand. Thorin, you are, you are dead. <laughs> what do you mean I'm dead? Mm. Yes, yes, you're quite, quite dead. Yes, if you think, you'll, you'll remember that I, I killed you. Where is Ferdinand? Oh, I see. Yes, I had different plans for him. You needn't concern yourself with them. He's my friend. Ah, he's your friend. How much do you know about your friend, Ferdinand? Well, I know that you do not know enough. For you see, Ferdinand is also dead. I know, I, I, I saw you kill him. What did you do with the body? Oh, no, 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 my friend. Ferdinand was dead before that. Yes. Yes. And I am the source of his magic. You see, Ferdinand learned everything he knows from me. I'm really the author of the book that he perhaps told you of. Yes, yes, he had to make a deal with me. He's long been dead. And now, you. I offered him a deal, and he repaid me with betrayal. I always collect on my deals. What is it you intend to do with Ferdinand? I'll do what I must. 
perhaps we'll turn him into some of my birds. I imagine I could probably get 12, 13, maybe even 15 hawks out of him. Hawks created from the flesh of the fallen. You said that he made a deal with you. What was this deal? Ah, uh, well, you see, I gave him magic in exchange for his life and for his service. Perhaps I could do the same for you. For the two of us. Ah, no, no, no. There are no dealing for other souls. Only your own. That's all you have, and that's all you ever had. All right. I'll do it. Bring me my belongings, and I will, I will swear on my sword. <laughs> I'm not foolish enough to hand you a sword. But I'm sure that I could give you some of your belongings. Not the manticore spike. I'm not some sort of a fool. All right. I will, I will swear on... Hmm. I'm sure I can find something. And then Thorin goes where he sees the pack now. Uh, uh, near where whoever this person is. We haven't established a name yet. He goes over and he pulls out and he says, How about... And he pulls out the pack and exposes the desert rose to this creature. Says, How about this? Ah, yes. That will do. Well, wait, what is that? And he goes in and he reaches for it. And I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make the creature now make a save. Rolling a natural 20, okay. So the creature doesn't die yet, but he kind of recoils a bit. And I think that, it, so it doesn't kill him uh, and make him desiccated, probably because he's undead. Uh, much like, um, or much unlike the the fateful uh, victims of the Desert Rose before. But I think it still has some sort of an effect on him. And at this point, I think that, I think Thorin is going to have to try to just push him into the bubbling cauldron while he's got a moment. And I think this is going to give him two, I'm going to give him two buffs. One, for him not expecting it at all. And two because he's perhaps slightly weakened from the immense power of the Desert Rose. Which means I roll 2d6 along the d20, I take the higher d6, add it to the d20 roll. Um, and we're gonna do this as an opposed strength roll. Actually, you know what? It should probably be two, uh, it comes out to be about the same in an opposed roll, but I, I think there should be two breaks actually too. Um, to the creature here. So it's two to six, take the higher and subtract it from the creature's roll. All right, so we've got, uh, I've got a three and he rolled a two. So I've got four strength, which gives me a total of seven. Now, normally the creature would have a total of seven, but because of the breaks, the higher of the two d6s was a two. So then you subtract that. So it's a five, which means I win the roll 
Thorn goes and pushes the creature into this bubbling green cauldron, which instantly turns glowing red and then glowing like a teal color and then back to blood red and it intensifies and it's glowing and you hear sort of a roar erupt. Thorin goes and quickly grabs the rest of his stuff and he looks around and I think he sees the book on a shelf that the creature is stuffed there because it's really his spell book anyways that is it was in, in Ferdinand's clutches so Thorin goes and quickly grabs it uh, which we're gonna say that that it can he can use it as uh, a spell scroll and it, it'll let him use it that way so a spell scroll in this game is similar to other games uh, it's infused with the spell in, in this case normally the, key, the creature casts the spell without having to make a will roll and take stress, so it's just kind of an automatic thing, but then it destroys it. In this case, it's we're gonna let have him like let him use the spell. Like he's gonna know it. Or he's not gonna know the spell, but he's gonna be able to cast it. Uh, but it will maybe not consume the whole book, but it'll consume part of it. Like it'll damage the book and it'll have to be magically repaired somehow. Um, so essentially it's a spell scroll. So he's gonna grab that. I think that there is some serious danger looming, but he's he's just starting to run now. He's gonna to try to see if he can find, he's gotta see if he can find Ferdinand. He's obviously in some sort of plane of the dead, and so I think things are gonna get real trippy real fast. He's running, running, running. Uh, let's see if he finds, uh, we're gonna do, uh, as he's searching, we're gonna do random encounter rolls, which again, works like a lot of other games. So the way it works on here, uh, Durf is only 12 pages long, by the way, so it's really easy to reference. And if I printed it out, it would be even easier, but this is just on a PDF uh, that I've got. i got to get more ink. Okay, so kind of the way it works on here is that when you do a watch, for instance, for every four hours, you roll a d6. Here, 10 minutes in-game is a turn, so that you, that's really outside of combat. You, in 10, uh, 10 minutes is a turn, and each turn, the GM rolls a d6 on a 1, and then counter occurs, and the GM rolls a ra on a random encounter table, or if you prepared one, you can use that. So, what we're gonna do is we are gonna have it be rigged a little bit. The D6, we're gonna overload it a little bit. One is gonna be for an encounter and six is gonna be for sighting Ferdinand, one way or the other. So, uh, he's running through uh, running through this first hallway to two, uh, nothing done. So he's, he's looking, he's running left or right. Uh, he's gonna go right. It's gonna open the door, uh, start exploring this room. There's a room in here that has um, all kinds of, it's kind of like a large banquet hall with a table, the, the bottom legs of the table almost look like huge, uh, huge eagle claws and the, um, <laughs> like a Futurama, but it's just has so much more eagle. Anyway, it's like, an, uh, it's like eagle-legged tables, uh, chandeliers that, um, have, that emit light from the appearance of many glowing eyes that are just floating freeform that spin slightly through the room. He's looking and seeing uh, if there's anything he can find here. Uh, probably looking over by, there's like a big mirror and I think he's gonna check out the mirror. Is there anything underneath the mirror, 50-50? No, uh, there's nothing under the mirror. So it's not there. Um, hmm, is there some sort of a I think he's gonna feel around on some of the panels for the next, you know, rest of the turn to see if there's any sort of trap door that he can find. We're gonna say that's a one in D6 chance. Nope. 
Uh, can't seem to find any panel floors. Is there an encounter here? Three, nope. Uh, he's got some more time, can't seem to find it. Uh, gotta move on, gotta move on, leave this room, find another one. Moves over to the next room. Uh, I think this one is some sort of, um, like a, um, it would normally be like a wine cellar, but I think here it's more of got an apothecary vibe, so it's got jars full of all kinds of things in it. Uh, different creatures, some of them are maybe just foods, uh, but uh, there's all kinds of things in the storehouse. This is kind of the end result of like if a wizard and Portlandia with a We Can Pickle That met together, they were just like, yes, we can, <laughs> we can potion that. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff in here. I think they're looking to see if there's anything useful. Uh, one, in, one, in, uh, we'll say there's a one in six chance that he finds some sort of a potion that looks like it could help. A one, yeah, okay. So he finds something. Um, we're gonna say that it's uh, it's a potion uh, that is uh, an equivalent of one of these spells. Um, and I might see how many are on here and roll on it randomly. One, two, three. 20. Excellent. 20. Which means I can roll a d20. He finds a potion of Grasp of Yazahar. Um, so it'll basically let him cast the spell or something similar. So we're going to say Grasp of Yazahar. Or Yah. Uh, I guess it's Yazahar. Okay. So he's got this potion. Uh, that might help. All right. I think that'll mean that he, he won't necessarily take the, the... Well, no, he'll probably take the stress from it, probably, to be honest. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll just let him cast the spell in the first place. Yeah, because um, he doesn't know it, obviously. All right, we got to keep running. Uh, nothing, nothing else in here. No sign of Ferdinand going to keep running back into the hallway to try to find another room. Is there an encounter in here? Six. Okay, yeah, he finds Ferdinand. Ferdinand, I think, is uh, crumpled up on the the floor ahead, and he he looks like he's in rough shape. And I think he's probably restrained by some sort of um, magical bonds um, that are like a magical webbing, uh, and he he looks he looks pretty dead, dead. Maybe he's maybe he's not. Obviously. There's some plans for something, but it's hard to tell. At this moment, though, the I think the half-boiled, um, the half-boiled creature um, emerges out of the hallway, now glowing red instead of green, as this potion is all over him. He now looks bubbly and like he's been half dissolved in acid, which means I think he's gonna take three more wounds from that. So he's got a total of six wounds. So I'm gonna roll his damage at this point to see if he'll dissolve as we're going. So he's got four hit dice. So roll 46, and if the total is six or lower, it's not a very good chance of that, but if the total is six or lower, then he'll be dead instantly. Uh, yes, definitely not. We got a total of, uh, let's see, 13. Yeah, so no cigar. But he, he kind of boils out. I think at this point, we're gonna be getting to combat Probably before, because we're at quite a distance, I think we're good, it's going to give Thorin just enough of a chance to do something quick. And probably dumb. So he's going to drink this uh, grasp of uh, Yazahar, and, and is going to try to cast that. We're going to just call it a surprise round, essentially, because it's just 
where he's all the way there in the hallway that he saw the guy bust. So they're not really close enough maybe for combat yet. So the way this works is uh, normally with the way spellcasting works is that you um, you make a will roll, and if you're successful, then you take one stress, which fills up an inventory slot, which I, I think is really cool. Uh, stress can be recovered from resting, but it takes up your inventory slot, and you can just, you know, carry less stuff, and then there's some other consequences that can come from that, um, and you can only do that so many times, obviously. Uh, I think that's really cool. There's a cool visceral thing about spellcasting that way. And it's hard. I like rolling for spell casting. I think that's super cool. If the PC fails, the spell isn't cast, and you take you don't take stress. You just completely fail. But if you get a one, there's a blunder. So I think I'm gonna start trying to cast this now. So first, I'm going to obviously remove this item from my inventory because I've consumed this potion. And uh, it says up to X creatures, which would be half the caster's will rounded up. Uh, in this case, is two. So first, we're gonna do that. So I gotta roll a d20 to try to make a will save, or a will check, rather, to see if I can even cast this, um, to cast this spell. It's an 11 plus my will of three is a 14. It's not quite enough. Uh, I can't quite cast it yet. Um, I, I think that, you know, that's probably gonna be well, we'll see. We'll see how how long until I think this potion probably would wear off. Um, but he's not quite able to cast the spell yet. So now we're getting into combat. And we're going to go for some initiative here. There's quite a bit of a distance in between. And, of course, it is the, uh, the enemy here first. He's going to uh, move up closer, probably have the distance, but he doesn't have the crows around him at the moment. He seems perhaps a little bit inhibited, uh, inhibited uh, from the the vat here, um, so he is not really able to do much of anything at the moment. So he just moves up closer. Thorin, uh, at this point, is going to, I think, he's probably going to take the opportunity of the distance to pull out his bow and shoot his bow at. Um, at this, at this uh, death mage here, I guess. Um, it's not really a necromancer necessarily. It's this weird, I don't know what he is. Um, warlock, I guess. In the more traditional sense, maybe not as much in the 5e sense, but in the traditional sense. All right, so opposed dex checks. Okay, that's nothing done. He goes and shoots, uh, misses, is not able to seal that deal. Time for initiative for round two. Ah. And the bad luck continues as it's still the creature's turn. He's going to come up closer. He's going to try to... Uh, I think he's going to just try to bear arm strike. I'm going to make another advantage for myself here. Because he was basically boiled in this cauldron of what is essentially magic acid, um, we're going to consider his weapon broken, which means he only does one damage until he fixes it. Because he's, he's just going to be doing an unarmed striking, I think. Uh, so yeah, it's gonna be one damage. I don't have my armor back. I haven't rested or anything and I'm only Alive in whatever plane we're in because I'm not really alive. I think I'm dead and I'm gonna have to reverse that condition later somehow But it's only because of this mage obviously that this is even possible um, Okay, so yeah, that's gonna be opposed strength rolls Which fortunately this is my thing oh, but Man luck isn't my thing yeah, so he's gonna do it. I'm gonna. I am gonna erase my wounds from before because it doesn't make any sense for me to still keep accumulating them, uh, in this case. Okay, 
Uh, so he does one damage, which means one wound. That's not possible for me to die on one wound, so we're going to move on. Um, I think at this point, Thorn is going to drop the bow, pull out his great sword, and try to strike here. All right. Posed strength checks from my side now. Oh, man, not quite enough. Not quite enough, which means uh, in in the scuffle, the uh, enemy does damage here. So I have two wounds, so I need, I'm going to roll 2d6 and just hope it's not snake eyes. Okay, yep, safe. Not dead yet. Okay, initiative for the... Ah! Dropping dice. Initiative for the next round. Finally, I get a break, and I get to go first here. I'm going to try to cast this spell again, so I'm going to make a will check. Needs to, total needs to be 15 or over. Oh, natural one. Oh, man. Oh, time to roll on the D20 blunder table. Oh, this is just my luck. Man, the, uh, the worst luck I ever have is on this show. A nine. It starts raining sardines. <laughs> tries to cast a spell. All of a sudden, it's just like raining fish everywhere. All right. Good, 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 good. All right. Uh, that means it is this creature's turn. I think he's going to try to, uh, again, it just he's just trying to beat down Thorin, I think. I know that's maybe not as exciting, but I don't know what else he'd be doing at the moment. Um, well, I keep trying to summon for minions. I don't know what minions necessarily he would have, but we'll just have him try to beat down Thorin. Oh, man, his luck is just so much better. Uh, man, yeah, so he does another damage, so I've got three wounds now. Catch a break. All right. I need to roll 2d6 and just hope that I don't get a three total. All right, we're safe. He's not dead yet. Uh, Thorn, again, I think... Uh, let's see. Well, that actually, this is the next time for the next round of initiative. Thorn goes second, of course. Post-strength roll. Ooh! I might be lucky this time. Uh, as the creature just keeps going, in, this uh, death mage keeps going into it. Thorin, uh, let's see, total of eight for, yeah, okay, for, for, I got 14. So I'm able to uh, block and parry the blow and swing and hit with my greatsword, which does five damage. Finally, there we go. Five damage, which means the uh, this creature here now has a total of 11. So he's got to roll his four hit dice, and the total needs to be equal or... Uh, less to, er, less than or equal to 11, and he'll die. Okay. Let's see. This is going to be close. 2, 4, 6, 12. Oh, 12. Oh, so close. Oh, so close. Wow, okay. Huge bummer there, but that's all right. All right. Initiative for the... Or no, that was his, his attack. Now it's my turn. Uh, I think... Um, after the critical fail, I just I think the potion's gonna have worn off. I don't think I'll be able to cast that spell anymore. Um, I am gonna try to use the spell book, maybe. Um, I am gonna try to first this is kind of risky, but I'm just gonna roll well, no, I don't wanna do that. That's just that's just too risky. I'm gonna have to try to just slash him with my sword. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna have to try to slash him with my sword. Finally, my luck turned around. Okay. I finally get through this time. That's another five damage, which brings a uh, total for the Death Mage to 16. Okay, he's got to roll. Um, chances are much better now. Four hit dice, it's got to be 16 or lower. All right, what do we get? We got 12. Okay, 
yeah, at this point now, um, uh, Thorne goes up and I wish I had thought of some sort of cool one-liner. I don't know what it is, but all of a sudden Thorne just brings the great sword and slashes and kind of like Qui-Gon Jinn to Darth Maul him. Like, just, or I guess it's Obi-Wan who does that. Obi-Wan to, to Darth Maul and just like slashes him right in half. Um, yeah. Interesting. I guess now, um, Ferdinand wakes up a bit as sort of like the, I think this death mage sort of dissolves into sort of that goo and just like sinks into the floor and then the rest of him evaporates. Uh, and I think Ferdinand starts to wake up. His bonds are gone now that the spell is broken. He wakes up and says, Thorin, Thorin, is that you? Aye, it's me. Where are we? How are we even alive right now? Well, I suppose he said we're dead? Oh, yes. Yes, we're most dead. We won't be able to leave this plane until we can find a way to restore our souls. Are you saying we're in the spirit world? Ah, I wish. I wish, my friend. No. We're in, hmm, sort of a bubble of a realm. It's, it floats and it sometimes intersects with other realms, but it is isolated on its own. It's the only way we're still alive because we were brought in here. We're gonna have to find a way out. What's more, Ferdinand says, I'm concerned that as a bubble, I don't know how much this this realm is kept alive by the by the death mages here, his magic, and I'm worried that this bubble could pop at any moment, and that we and everything in here would cease to exist permanently. And that's where we're gonna end the session. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this. Um, yes, hectic, crazy. Uh, hopefully you don't mind me uh, using character death that way. I think it's more interesting than a character just dying, especially in a solo game, and I think you just turn into something interesting. It's different than when you're playing with people. When you're playing with people, it's much easier to say that your character dies, roll up a new one. Um, although I think you should be feel free to do whatever, it, 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 you know, your table agrees is cool. But uh, in a solo game, you know, usually it's just you and your PC, and your PC dies, like, that's it. I mean, it's not as easy to roll up another one and, and just have somebody else show up with the same quest and scenario and whatever. So hopefully you guys like that. Uh, hopefully you guys like Durf. Um, sorry for all the flipping back and forth, but hopefully that gives you an honest sense of like, hey, I've not even read all the way through these rules yet. How hard is it to figure out? It's not that hard to figure out, really. It's, it's laid out pretty darn well. Everything is in a place that makes sense, and it's clear. Uh... It just has so many good things going for it, in my opinion. And the stuff that people have made for it on Itch so far looks super, super very cool. So I really think that you should check it out. And for the price of free, I mean, I just, I don't think you can beat it. I think, um, I, yeah, I'd be interesting in, interested in any of the solo players who listen, um, what you think about doing oracles that way. You know, 
It's kind of like um, OD&D skills where it's a, a, one in, a blank and six chance. So a lot of these were three and six chances effectively. Just 50-50, like, I don't know. One of them was like, yeah, that's that's the same likelihood as an encounter, one one in six, right? So I, I think that's an, honestly a really, really easy way to do it. That's one of the ways that I like to do it, honestly, when I play with, um, uh, when I do soloing with uh, White Box uh, Fantastic Medieval Adventure game. I think that that's, you know, that's certainly a way to uh, to handle it. And I'm, I'm a fan, actually. It didn't inhibit me, really, uh, this time. So, yeah, and I think you can I think you can do that and spark tables a lot. I think the spark tables are helpful. Uh, but, yeah, Colin, let me know what you think. Thank you so much again for listening. Um, yeah, there's some life stuff. Like I said, we're adding a new member to the party, uh, a new member to the family, so that might make things a little bit crazy this upcoming month. So it may be another, another chunk before the next episode. I'm not sure. I'm going to try to you know get get one or two in, in before that but it may take a little bit but it'll uh, we'll be back uh with more stuff to explore uh one of the things i'm really excited to explore coming up soon uh not in this episode but i picked up recently uh goblins henchman's uh most recent hexflower um uh project it, it, it's it's kind of hard to explain i'll explain it later but it, it's a, a hexflower is a way of doing procedural generated content that sort of has a uh, like a memory almost like ram like state stored in where you are in the hexflower uh i've never done that i've wanted to try goblin henchman's hexflower stuff for a long time um and the new one has art from nature may which is an automatic shoe in for me obviously yes it's based on oz and i think that it could potentially be a good fit for this weird, bizarre pocket dimension. We'll see uh, if it'll be good for the next episode or not, but at some point, for sure, we're going to get at least some adaptation of the Hexflower, I think, in here. That'll be fun and different. I've never done one of those before. Uh, so if you get a moment, if you enjoyed the show or just enjoy the show in general, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review, uh, I, I'm sometimes bad at remembering to check, in them, uh, check them out, but it, what it does is it really helps other people find the podcast. But more than that, if you're enjoying the show... If you think somebody else that you know would enjoy this kind of a show, please let them know. Uh, just knowing that other people enjoy the show is the reason that I do it. Um, you know, I, it's a free, completely free show. Uh, it'll always be free. It'll always be ad-free. Never any, never any cost to the show. So the only payment I get is knowing that people enjoy the show. Also, feel free to uh, you can email with my email in the show notes and um, send in the message that I can reply to on the air. Or if you just want to send in a message but you don't want me to address it on the air, just let me know. Uh, same with calling in on Anchor. You can call in. You can also leave an audio file uh, in the email if you would like. Again, let me know if you don't want me to air it. Um, but otherwise, I will, and I'll respond to it. Thank you so much again, y'all. I know I've said that a lot, but I really do appreciate um, those of you that uh, tune in. So thanks so much. Have a good one, y'all.